All right, well, good morning or good afternoon, Baldomero Lopez. Uh, so excited to be here with you and to have this opportunity to uh, bring God's Word uh, to where you are. Oops, I just went the wrong button. Um, so let's start in a word of prayer. Uh, dearly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for this time uh, together. Even though we are physically apart, our spirits are joined together uh, through Christ. Father, we just ask that you uh, soften our hearts to receive your word. Uh, allow us to hear and receive and perceive um, all that you're asking us to do. Lord, let your word be the source of truth and light, hope and wonder for all who hear. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So our sermon's coming from 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 through uh, 25. So it's a little longer section uh, before, but it, it encapsulates a pretty solid uh, chunk of change. And interestingly enough, um, the other night, uh, Amanda and I did a Bible study uh, called Secret Church. And Secret Church has been around for uh, quite some time, and it's led by a pastor named David Platt. And he uh, started this ministry with the hopes to encourage brothers and sisters who are uh, in secret churches, who are in the persecuted church, who are often either meeting in secret or meeting underground or meeting uh, almost irregularly because of the dangers that face them uh, where they are and different countries around the world. And and it became this teaching to for them, but it also became an encouragement for us who are here like in the States where we have our religious freedoms and our ability to gather and our ability to uh, proclaim the truth um, without fear of persecution, arrest, or even death. And uh, so it's a, the topic from Friday night was on um, God, government, and the gospel. And he, as he started, he said there was a lot of people who told him that he ought not teach on the subject, that he should avoid it because it's so controversial. And, it, and then he had some who and actually encouraged him to do it, that it was very needed. And I, I believe it was very well done. And a lot of it honed in on what the scripture says from Genesis to Revelation on how we engage in the government. So I'm going to take a trinkets and nuggets from that teaching and apply it today. And, and as we read uh, and teach this section. So from First Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 25, it reads as such. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be uh, to the emperor as supreme or to the governors who sent by him to punish those who do evil and pray, to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for all, but living as God's servants. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants be subject to the masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if you 
sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if you, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So commit no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but now to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So this is uh, the word of the Lord, and this is a great passage because what Peter did here in this section is he almost created like a bookend. He he made a very good beginning and same with the end, and he really connected the two well to create this nice entreaty to us for subjecting ourselves to authority and and as as he leads with be subject for the lord's sake to every human institution and then as he says in verse 21 um, he says leaving you an example right and, and so and what is this example he he doesn't just tell us to just be submit to authority because it's the right thing to do or it's the moral thing to do or it's the the Christian thing to do or it's the American thing to do or it's the wherever thing to do but it's something much greater than this that that Christ himself gave us the example of honoring the authority by suffering all the way to the point of death that, that, that's something that Paul talks about in Philippians where he talks about that Jesus was humble unto the point of death. And it's a very similar language that, that Jesus, there, there's one part that comes to mind that... Uh, <laughs> background noise. That when uh, Jesus uh, was in the garden and he's praying before he's arrested, he says, Do you, did you not know that I could call down a, a thousand legions of angels? And and it, it it could have been well within Christ's power to command the angels to fight for him, to overthrow Pilate, to uh, conquer uh, the Roman soldiers who were who had arrested him, to shame the Pharisees who were against him. Uh, but he doesn't. He actually takes a very different route. He says nothing. So verse twenty two, he committed no sin. Jesus did nothing. At all, when it came to sinning against the will of God, he he did exactly as he ought. He acted in full obedience. He had no deceit, meaning he was not lying in his mouth. He could he he did not lie. He did not say anything that was untrue. And then it says when when he was reviled. So when they brought charges against him, we know that they spit in his face. They put the crown of thorns on his head they beat him with rods they whipped him they mocked him they hit him they probably kicked him and they probably did a lot of other terrible things to him in mockery and he did not revile and try you know you know it's like that 
fight or flight thing. Christ could have put up his fist and done a one-two punch, but instead he did nothing. And and he says when he suffered, he did not threaten. It's you know very often if if we have someone comes up against us, comes an, against an attack towards us, we 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 want to come back with something. We we want to threaten back. Well, if you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. But continued entrusting himself to him. Who is this him? God, God the Father, Christ entrusted himself. He said, into thy hands I commit thy spirit. He was fully committed to God the Father uh, in the flesh. Not just Christ, uh, the spirit of God dwelling in Jesus Christ, the man. But it was the man of God who said that the, the physical flesh part that was willing to entrust himself fully to God. And that's something for us to remember, right? And so if we rewind, so that's the example that Christ gave us for this purpose. What is his purpose? He he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that, that Christ, the God-man, bore our sins, That we des- meaning we deserve to have been on the tree. We should have been on the cross instead of Jesus, and that was should have been our punishment. We have sinned against God. Jesus, he committed no sin, but we have sinned against God. And we've sinned against man. We, we've done enough, uh, even little things, that, that God is, is, would be right in punishing us for our sins. But Christ bore our sins, that we might die to sin. This is still verse 24. That we might die to t- sin and to live righteousness. It's actually a way of living, that there's this righteous way of living, that there's somehow in our manner, in our demeanor, in our thinking, what we watch on TV, the music we listen to, the websites we go to, how we commune with the fellow residents, how we engage one another uh, just throughout the day, especially now in this season where where we're probably getting a little stir-crazy from being uh, locked up and, and, and quarantined for so long that we have... We don't have the liberties and the freedoms that we had, and it'd be really easy to get frustrated and to live in wickedness, but Christ calls us to live righteousness. And and ultimately, there's a beauty that by his wounds, you have been healed, that, that through Christ, there's been this healing of maybe definitely of the spiritual body, definitely of the mind and the soul, and potentially of the physical, that, that we may be healed physically on this earth, but most definitely we were healed for eternity. That the brokenness that we once carried has now been mended for Christ's righteousness. So what does this mean to us? Um, I think there's a beautiful part for us on what Peter leads as the example, but I think that there's there's verse 17 really becomes the key verse for this section. At least this is the the key verse that I really want us to look at because this is where we get to live out what it means truly to be subject to every human institution, which would come down to our national, our state, our uh, county, or our cities, where we live. Those are places that we should be submitting to, uh, subject to, citizens of paying our taxes, doing what's right, driving the speed limit, uh, things of that nature where we are, are are following the law. So long as 
we it is not a rejection of the will of God, right? So, you know, Peter makes this uh, moment where he talks of, you know, the government comes to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. There should be for all government a, a the execution of judgment on those who do something that is wicked, uh, those who break the law, and there should be an opportunity to praise those who are doing right. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just something that we should work on in general, that, that we often, with our news and our social media and even of our talk, we so often fixate on that which is negative or potentially negative or things that are, are really our opinions because we don't like what's going on. And it seems that we often miss that which is praiseworthy and true and beautiful and wonderful. And so this is why I go back to verse 17. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And we do this because Christ has set the example. Again, back in 21, leaving you an example. This is, Christ has left us an example of what it means to honor everyone, to love the brotherhood, to fear God, and to honor the emperor. That's what Christ's life was. It's If you wanted to whittle it down to a few short phrases, uh, Jesus honored everyone. There, there was no one Christ didn't honor. Uh, it, from the woman at the well, uh, to the woman caught in adultery, to the, the, the prostitute who washed his feet, to the Samaritan, to the Jew, to the Gentile, to the, the Roman citizen, to the those who were beyond Jesus showed honor to everyone. He, he made it a point to give people the dignity and respect that they deserved because they were made in the image and likeness of God. That's what even we see in the beginning, Genesis 1, 27, right? It says, let us make man in our image and our own likeness and male and female, he made them. There, there is something of God that, that of God placed in us for a purpose. And that is why we, we do. And this is how we live. You know, it, it could be simply done that by honoring people, we do things simply by saying please and thank you. I, I know this sounds like kindergarten all over again, but so often simple words as yes and no, please and thank you. The ability to, to just show kindness and courtesy to people around us. And, and it's also doing something that there's things that we don't do. You know, if we rewind a few verses to First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander. So malice is, is, is not just wickedness or hatred, but malice is, is doing something against someone with harmful intent. Doing things against people for a, a purpose of, of creating and causing harm. Uh, you know, the idea of being all and deceitful is it's to purposefully and intentionally lie uh, towards someone for yourself, for yourself, so that for your betterment, for your um, for your gain. Uh, hypocrisy, right? Saying to be one thing and really to be another, trying to pretend of, of, of a pure nature and really having a wicked nature. Um, envy that the idea of getting it, wanting what others have and not being willing to share um, it with others or willing to take take away because it's convenient or easy um, and ultimately and no slander that's where we, we speak falsely against someone where we 
try to put someone down, not just lying for our own gain, with those slanders a lot like that, but lying so that it harms someone else. And I think that as we learn to honor people, this is what we're, we're being really called to do. So it's simply this week, today, just say please and thank you. When, when something is done for you, and, or you ask for something to be done for you, start with the please, or at least end with the please. And when it's done for you, say thank you. You know, just show gratitude for what has been done. That is a great way to honor people around you, regardless of gender or color of skin or political party. Who knows? It, it's there's a bunch of reasons why we could um, want to fight or dishonor people, but you know, ultimately our call is as Christians is to honor everyone because they're made in the image of God. And that's just something we just have to remember of ourselves. That's why we have worth. That's why life has worth. That's why we continue to exist. That's why we we do things that, that further life and not harm life is because life has value. Uh, number two, we love the brotherhood. We work hard at loving Christians. It's almost like extra effort. I think there's a natural love of our neighbor, right? As Jesus commands us, love your neighbor as you love yourself or love one another as I have loved you. But there should be the effort, extra effort within the Christian church that we we do our best to love one another, that we do things that help one another within the body of Christ. And this is, I think, a lot what happens at Bold Arrows. We are working uh, to love and honor one another to the best of our abilities uh, as long as we can so that we can do um, what is right. And that's ultimately a way to be subject to the human institutions. So we have the, the just the natural order of all of humanity, even if we're of different tribes and tongues and nations. So we honor, get show everyone honor because they're made in the image and likeness of God. We love the brotherhood. So within the church, we, we love one another because that is a God-given institution, but it is human-run. And then we have um, the fear of God. And I think this is oftentimes what we miss. Um, I know we make the joke, and I even saw a joke about it earlier um, today on Facebook. There was a picture of the interstate, and there was... Uh, a bunch of cars packed together and there was a bunch of open space on the freeway ahead but the very first car in the line was actually a, a highway patrolman it was a state trooper right and so all the drivers around the trooper um, drove the speed limit because they were mindful of him right this is what Paul says in verse 19 for his gracious thing when we are mindful of God that that we should consider um, that God, that whatever I'm about to do with God in mind, right? That, that, that as I begin to, to speak, as I begin to act, uh, the attitude I carry, um, the things that I do, say, eat, drink, am I being mindful of God? Am I, am I considering God as I do this? You know, it's almost when, when, when I was, uh, uh, in middle school, so this was, couple years ago um that that we wore these wwjd bracelets you know what would jesus do we that was often the common question what what would jesus do what would jesus want you to do and i think this is a way 
of of being mindful of God. That was a representation on a wrist to say, oh, well, if if Jesus was here, what would I do? So it's the same thing as like the trooper, right? So we when we're driving the, on the interstate and we see. We know the speed limit 70, and we see the state trooper, we tend to do 70. We're not doing 90. But as soon as the trooper's gone, we, we have that tendency to push on the accelerator and go a little faster because we aren't we are no longer mindful of him. The other thing is we are not doing things in the sight of God. I think verse 20 says, Well, for what credit what credit is it if when you sin you are beaten for it? Right? That's that's a, a, a sin and consequence. You you commit a crime you got the punishment but when you do good and suffer for it endure for this is a gracious thing in the sight of god it is when god because god is looking god sees all that we do good or bad and but when we are doing something good and there's a suffering that is attached to it it is god is counting it as grace god is counting it towards us god's keeping track of it in the sight of him and that's just something that that it's, it's like being mindful it's just think Peter was using two different images for us. One is to to consider in our thinking uh, as as we do, but also to think that God is observing. You know, much like um, maybe you know a lifeguard sitting in a tower looking over a swimming pool. The the the, the lifeguard is is surveying the pool. He is everyone is in his sight and ultimately in his care. Uh, but God is far better than just any lifeguard, right? Um, but but this is this true thing that we have, and and I think this is what even Paul begins to talk about in Romans chapter one, where where that transition that we've changed the worship for of God, the Creator for the creation, where we've where we've turned our gaze from up to down, and and we've we flip flop our priorities, we we put things out of place. And that's just real dangerous when we actually no longer have a fear of God. There's a passage where where Jesus says, Do not fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and the soul. And I think that's a great warning for all of us that that we should never be afraid of of the man's ability to cause us harm. Although, I again going to the beginning that that we there's significance in life in everyone. So no one person should inflict harm upon another. However, in that in that method, in that season, in that in that moment of time when there's an oppression from someone else towards us, we shouldn't fear that person because God is greater. That 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 God our our fear uh, is in the Lord, and that's where we put our roots and that's where we take focus and that's what we consider first and uh, foremost. I think if we truly had a healthy fear of God, I think there would be a lot less sin in the world. There, there would be no drugs and there'd be less places of ill repute and there'd be no human trafficking and there, I think there'd be no violent gangs and there would be um, less theft and burglary and rape and, and abuse and just a long list of terrible things that we do uh, that aren't even on a grand scale, but just individual one to another. I think if we had truly a fear of God in our minds and in our sight, that we would just truly act differently. And this leads us then to how we, one of the great ways that we honor God, through fear God, is by honoring the authority, right? So so in every way, so verse 13, be subject to the Lord 
for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether emperor as supreme or governor sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. It's, it's he's just hitting that one point. And I don't, the, the Jews that, that Peter is talking to or the early Christians that Peter is talking to, they didn't have it good. They, they, they were really people who were outsiders of outsiders. Number one, <clears throat> the people reading this book were all throughout the Roman Empire from Spain uh, to Greece to Italy, maybe even to Northern Africa. These people were one, if they were Jewish of heritage and descent, uh, they were out of place not being in Israel. That's number one. Number two, they would have been out of place at the synagogue because they were no longer, uh, per se, Orthodox Jews. They were now Jesus-following Jews, Messianic Jews, and they would have been viewed differently even by their own people, by their own relatives. So they're, they're, they're despised by the government. They're despised now by their family and their, their community, and now they're just truly on the outside. It, it wasn't, wasn't pleasant to be a Christian in the first couple centuries because of what how Christians were viewed in the world. However, there there is a still for us to be that model, to be that example, right? That's why we when we do good, um, they put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. That's what verse fifteen says. That but by by living an example, by as we said, honoring people, loving the brotherhood, fearing God, and ultimately showing honor to authority. It doesn't mean we have to do everything the authority says. Um, especially if it goes contrary to the word of God, but but in our speech, in our consideration, that as we look at people um, who who serve in the presidency or serve in the House of Representatives or in the Senate, or we look at local authorities of the state or the county, um, I believe we're all entitled to our opinion. But I I I I think we should do consider these two Bible verses as we speak. First comes from Ephesians four fifteen. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians four fifteen. I, I think so often we are speaking the truth from time to time, but a lot of it is very harsh and it's offensive. It's it's too direct. It's it's too it's either too sharp or too blunt, and it's not as Paul says seasoned with salt. I think there's a we we all love something that has just the right amount of seasoning in it, just the right amount of salt on it, uh, because it tastes good. Um, but when we, we, when we have the truth and it's, and it's hard to swallow because it's just so blunt and so dry and um, it, it, it just requires a lot to take it down, I think we're missing the point. And the second comes from James 1.19. It says, Be quick to listen or quick to hear, uh, slow to speak and slow to get angry. I think if we actually took a moment and and considered what was being said and paused and reflected and actually were trying to hear what people were saying before we formulate that idea, um, this is not just, this is all of us. I, I mean, I do a lot of marriage counseling, so it's very common for me to um, uh, have this conversation with a husband and wife as as they're talking, I said, you know, if you're if you're having a conversation and the other one of you is beginning to put uh, together their rebuttal before the other person's finished speaking, you weren't really listening. And I think that's just the danger that we all face is that, that we so often, um, people start talking, they're giving their opinion, and in our head, we are already working out our, our, uh, our rebuke of it, kind of like we're in a debate, 
We're not actually listening to what that person says. We're not actually giving honor to that person for what they have to say because we're just so quick to spit things out of our mouth. And, and honestly, we haven't had enough time to process what we're saying. And I think that's why this Bible verse, it just applies to everything. And I think this is why it applies so directly to honor the emperor. I think we honor the office, uh, whether you voted for the person or not, whether you like their policies or politics or their character. I think there is a way that we can uh, honor them, but also maybe encourage uh, change. We we pray for them. I think that's that's one of the great truths in Second Timothy uh, two two, First Timothy two two. It's one of the it's one of those two Timothys. But it says, pray for everyone, pray for everyone that they they can come to the knowledge of Jesus, that they come to the knowledge of truth. This is for it's God's will, and I think in that we we pray for our leadership. We pray for the leaderships of the nations and our local municipalities and that is a way we honor we don't throw up you know hateful stuff on our, our social media posts or or just even in our common speech just because someone doesn't agree with us doesn't mean we have we should start a bar fight just over it it, it should be really something in which we work to live out because that's what people are watching and, and that's why he he closes with verse 25 uh with this saying before he he shifts right so he says for we are straying like sheep right that for you were straying like sheep that 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 people he's saying this because these people are doing the opposite he's not he's telling them to honor everyone because they really weren't he's telling them to love the brotherhood because they weren't loving people in the church they weren't fearing god then they weren't truly honoring the emperor there was a lot of um disruptiveness but he's saying come come back together let's come back as the sheep but you have now returned right so that's the courage you, you went astray and now you've returned to the shepherd with a capital s being jesus and overseer with a capital o uh that's being jesus jesus of your soul and that's what we have and and as we move into next week you know it's just a more practical application as jesus or paul is encouraging not even paul peter is encouraging us to to as husbands and wives uh honor respect each other so um let's pray dearly father i just thank you so much for this day i thank you for the ability to be in the rooms and in the hallways uh presenting the good news of jesus for what he has done for us that he bore our sins on a, on a tree so that we might live to him and that we are set free from that bondage. Father God, I just pray a blessing over Baltimore Lopez. I pray for all of the residents. Lord, I just pray that you give them peace and comfort in the season of life. Uh, Lord, we know that they're uh, in a place where they are, are resting, where they are, are um, kind of confined and, and it's tricky and it's hard and it's definitely um, uh, discouraging maybe bringing anxieties or fears or depression. Lord, I just pray that you are the God of peace and that you reign supreme over their minds and their bodies and their hearts, Lord, that you give them peace that surpasses all understanding, that you pour out your mercies upon them that they might know you. Father God, I just pray for the family members connected to the residents, that you bless them. Lord, I know at this time during the quarantine they can't gather as they normally would, so I pray a blessing over them, Lord, that you will bring a peace in their hearts, that your mercies will be upon them, Lord, that they will uh, be able to connect with technology 
to to see their loved ones, even though they can't physically touch them or hug them, but that they can be near. And lastly, I pray for the administration and the staff of Baltimore Lopez. Lord, I pray a blessing over the facility. Lord, all that come in and go out, Lord, that you keep them safe and healthy, Lord, through this very uh, difficult season as we um, learn and protect ourselves from COVID-19. Father God, I just pray a blessing over these people who are serving and giving and cleaning and loving, administering medications and doing physical therapy and and changing the linens and helping people get dressed and helping people shave and helping people get ready and that you can give them uh, an increase of compassion that you increase their tenderness and kindness let them if they're feeling weak or discouraged Lord, that you help them feel joy and peace and let them be strong in the lord because this is a great opportunity to serve that we can be the hands and feet of jesus and we pray this in jesus mighty name amen You're welcome. Bye, Mary. Good to see y'all. I'll see y'all next week.